as we venture into the murky waters of everything you've been told never to bring up at holiday dinner. You'll meet a guy, someone you can trust, a battle-tested, common-sense leader who knows that an extra pair of dry socks just might save your life. That wise old sage has arrived, and he is shouting the Schmidt Show battle cry. Schmidt heads unite! Mic on. There we are. Good morning. Ooh, that's hot. I got off a little bit. Ease up there, Schmidt. <coughs> good morning. This is, well, good afternoon, I suppose. Good evening. I say this every week, right? Like, why can't I hear you now? It is. Hit one. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got to. There we go. You got to uh, fix that. Yeah, I got to fix that. <laughs> it's on my list of things to do. That's the guru, everybody. Good morning. It's the Schmidt Show. Good afternoon. It's the Schmidt Show. Good evening. It's the Schmidt Show. Schmidt Excuse Show. Excuse me. I'm the half Indian guru. The, oh, that's right. You're the half Indian guru. Um, wherever you are, wherever you're listening or whenever you're listening to, uh, to the podcast, uh, if you're listening live, of course, in the United States, it is good morning. If you're listening live in Australia, I think it's like pretty much almost exactly opposite of us. They're like, like depending where at in Australia, I think it's like, uh, it's like 23 hour difference or something like that. So it's probably 10 o'clock at night or whatever it is over there. So yeah, I, so I learned this, the, what are you, oh, you're doing sorry. stuff over here. You're logging into weird stuff. So yeah, but you go right ahead. Sorry. So I learned this a while back that, um, that if you dig through the center of the earth, so we live here where we're at in North Dakota, we're very near the geographical center of the, of the, of North America. Mm -hmm. And I guess the, you know, always when you're kids, right? If you dig through the middle of the earth, you end up in China. Right. Actually, that's not true. If you dug a hole all the way through, like stuck a rod through or whatever, you'd end up just off the coast of Australia somewhere, I guess. Really? Yeah. I, I don't Well, mm, now doesn't it like, what if you get off a little bit and there's not, you're not straight? I mean, well, you know, I mean, if you got, shovels and sand. Well, I mean, that's true. If you got a kid digging through lava at the center of the core of the earth. Actually, did you know that the Russians tried to dig like a really, really deep hole or something one time? Did they really? Yeah, and it got so hot, it like seized up the drill bit. They got like like 40,000 deep, feet deep or something like that. Or some Well, that's insane. so my favorite form of energy. Now, everybody wants to talk about clean, renewable energy. All Geothermal. Yes, Absolutely. exactly. Yep. Exactly. You li it, listen, it causes, if you don't know what geothermal energy is, it's literally, it, the further down you go in the earth, the warmer, hotter it gets. the hotter it gets. Right. Well, actually, first the cooler it gets, then the hotter it gets. Right. But after you get above, like let's say twelve, fifteen feet down, that's as that's as cold as it's it's going to get, and you know it it doesn't really change no matter what the outside temperature is doing. Okay. And so then you continue to go down, and it gets warmer and warmer. So if you want your house to be seventy-two degrees, you can drill to a desired depth, and there is seventy-two degree. I don't know air right existence yeah, down yeah, there yeah and so you run some wire or some water in a pipe down to the 72 degree area of yeah, the earth yeah and then you bring it back up and you run it through your house and now you can heat or cool your house to the perfect 72 degrees and you've done no real measurable damage to the earth other than drill a hole in it which doesn't hurt anything it doesn't cost anything it's perpetual i, I don't know it just i actually i actually have a friend who um uh who has a geothermal heat pump does it like it yeah loves it it's actually very efficient um and inexpensive because the only thing you're paying for is the electricity to circulate the water and to heat you know use the, if it's forced air or whatever you know right so yeah it's it's actually very efficient so um i am no i'm trying to fix this you're the oh, why is this I'm, sure 
it I'm so Noah ha, is my tech guru. Yes. And I um I have a laptop that he's he's letting me use so I can get used to Linux. I've also got it installed on my Mac. I'm trying to adjust because it seems like the um like the screen goes oh. to, like screensaver goes black too fast. Yeah. Is that is this just the screen locking? Is yeah. That let's, what no, I think so. I th let's see here. Where would that be? Oh, see now I'm remote controlling the other computer. I don't want to do that. So yeah. I think if you uh, if you hit the uh, if you hit the the super key or the Windows key or the Mac key or whatever you want to call right. it and then type in power and click on energy savings i think that's probably where you'll find i can't um, type anything oh there it is all right then, then power should, yeah power and then you should see energy savings because we're going to be talking about the six the six canons of conservative thought today because okay. because someone um don't use special settings no i i don't think you're there it should be it should be when you type in power did you see energy savings oh no i didn't so anyway we're going to be talking about um, power. Then do you see energy, energy saving? There, there you is. go. Okay. So there you should so, see like screen brightness and dim screen and right. energy saving. So on battery, it's I don't like want great any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Button events, handling, suspend. Don't want any of this. How does it's nothing's connected on low battery. How the about only, on regular battery? How about on AC? I'm on, I'm on battery though. Nothing is on low battery. Screen brightness, dim screen. I think I already got it. I guess we'll see. So anyway, um, we are going to be talking about um, apply. We're going to be talking about the six canons of conservative thought. Because somebody asked me last night um, kind of a, spe a specific question about the ballot. Like on my terrestrial show, because it's a local radio show, I always take my local ballot and I put in my address because most states, I know in North Dakota, but most states also have a similar thing where you can go to the, the Secretary of State's website or your local county's uh, website and get a sample ballot of, sure. of who, you're, who you have the opportunity to vote for, the measures and things like that. And, and so I always go, usually the Friday before election day, I take the time and I spend on my show just going through the ballot and saying, look, this is who I'm going to vote for, mm -hmm. and here's why. Now, I I'm not saying this is who you should vote for. Right. I mean, I would prefer, that, of course, that you vote the way I vote because right. that's the people that I want to be in office. That's the way I want the, the measures. And that's and just naturally what comes with being smarter than everybody else is that you think that everybody else should, you know. Well, I, and that's, I was going to say, that, the right thing? that's the next thing, because as I've said before, I know why everybody else is wrong before they usually even open their mouth. And I know, and you know this is true, because, when was that, about three weeks ago? Can confirm, have been wrong. Right, well, but what, about, <laughs> <laughs> about <laughs> was it about three weeks ago we went out to, we went out to, to wing, for wings with DeLuca? Okay. So we went out to eat, and he started asking a question. I said, before you even finish the <laughs> yeah, question, I know exactly yeah. what you're asking. Yeah. And I answered the question, right. and I was right. Yes. Like, yep. I know why most people are wrong or what they're going to say before they open their mouth. I'm just that good. That's, I mean, that's, that's how you get in to talk radio, right? Like, I mean, that's... If, well, if, I think you're a little bit of a step above most. I, I don't know if most people can really <laughs> ascribe to the cal caliber that is the Schmidt Show. Well, but I mean... try. Yeah, I mean, that's people sure. try. I mean, guys, you know, like Rush... Right, you know they. I mean, they're working he, on it. He gives it his best shot anyway. So, <laughs> so anyway, I was asked it last night. <clears throat> excuse me, I was asked last night um, about the ballot, and so the idea being, what is who should I vote for based on a a conservative 
viewpoint, a conservative Christian viewpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I how do I make these decisions on who to vote for? Now, in my election, of course, I'll be voting for Kevin Kramer um, over Heidi Heitkamp in the Senate race, and I've made that decision based on my own conservative values and the things that I believe about conservatism and what I believe about my own worldview. And it's not even really a matter of my Christian worldview; it just happens to be my worldview. And so mm-hmm. the the idea um, of of how you make these determinations, you have to base your thought processes and, and the decisions that you make as it, for, as it relates to voting based on your principles and your worldview. For me, my principles are conservative political principles, and my worldview is a Christian worldview. That's just, I mean, I'm a former pastor. That's, that's just my, my worldview. <coughs> So I was going to go ahead and do that this morning as well, but I know that a majority of the listeners of the podcast are not necessarily in North Dakota, so they don't really care about conservative versus liberal versus whatever in North Dakota races, right? Yeah. Well, at least not specific candidates. Right, yeah, not specific candidates. Yeah. So so my thought process is I'm going to go through a a quote-unquote ballot and and help people kind of make the determination on how do you vote for a candidate there are some things that that are just absolutely um non-starters it if if you are the the 99 percent most conservative individual in the country but for whatever reason you've got a wonky view on the second amendment and and you just think that the Second Amendment shouldn't exist, and it was for you know a time of muskets or whatever. Well, that that is a non-starter. It doesn't matter what you believe on the rest of the stuff because that one is a that's a go no go kind of yeah. See, I'm a single issue voter. Right. That's a, yeah. that's a no go issue for me. That mm-hmm. like if you can't understand that even back in the 1700s, this idea that that uh, that the the founding fathers didn't understand, you know, the types of weapons we would have today it was absurd. They actually had fully automatic weapons. There was things like the puckle gun, mm-hmm. which could fire about. You now, obviously, it wasn't you know 150 rounds a minute or 600 rounds a minute like some of the guns we have today. But they, the GE mini gun. Yeah, they, they were they were they were firing with these puckle guns about 63 rounds per minute. You know, it was a fairly quick gun. They had other, uh, there was the duck, I can't remember, the duck foot, it wasn't a revolver, but it was a duck foot type of, it was actually this weird looking thing that had kind of six barrels fanned out in like the shape of a duck foot, you know. Mm -hmm. So these guys understood that the weaponry was what it was, and the musket actually was, if you really want to look at it in, in the in the leftist emotional terms, the musket was the AR-15 of the day, right? It was the most advanced weapon that you could get. The Kentucky, what was it, the, the Kentucky Brown Bess or whatever, uh, I can't remember. There was the Brown Bess and then there was the Kentucky Long something or another. I can't remember all the names of them, but the, um, these, these were the, they were the state-of-the-art weapon of the day. And, and the idea that the founding fathers didn't get that or, or weren't aware of that is absurd, first of all. But they also looked at it as, hey, the the average Joe citizen actually needs to be not just armed, but actually more well-armed than the government. 
because the whole purpose of the Second Amendment was to be able to, for the citizens to be able to rise up against a tyrannical government if mm-hmm. necessary. So their belief was that we sh- as citizens should actually be more well-armed than the government. So the fact right. that the government has tanks and nuclear weapons is a concern, right? I mean, or, well, at least should be from that perspective. Right. Yeah. Not that you know, not that I believe the the U.S. government is going to use nuclear weapons on its own citizenry or right. or anything like that. But I mean that that is that is an out um, it's an out of order view of the original intent of the Second Amendment. So mm. if you're not if it doesn't matter how conservative you are, how you vote on taxes, blah blah blah, whatever. If you if you've got a wonky view on the Second Amendment, I, I can't I just can't get there. Mm-hmm. So so that's one of those no go issues for me. Also, you know, abortion, a couple other things like that, or just if you if you can't if you can't get to a place where you are willing to protect the most innocent and helpless of all citizens of the United States, and and maybe not citizens, but all human beings in general. Mm-hmm. Um, then if you can't at all costs protect that life, well then... I have no use for you. Yeah, exactly. So, so okay, so how do I get that? How did I get to that position? How did I get to that point where I have gone, okay, these are the no-go issues and these are the conservative values that I hold dear as it relates to a candidate? So the first of the six canons of conservative thought is a belief in a transcendent order or body of natural law. And I've mentioned this before. I think it was in the introductory episode. I, I, I just briefly touched on these. They believe in a transcendent order or body of natural law, which rules society as well as conscience. This is uh, from Russell Kirk. And if you want a great book, that's just a fantastic book to read, but it is a very thick, very heavy book. And I don't mean like physically heavy, but like intellectually heavy. Um, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm pretty smart individual. I mean, we've actually talked about how, like I know why you're wrong before you ever tell me. Or before you ever open your mouth, but the this book I often read with a dictionary sitting next to me or my phone out, so I can you know Google it up on dictionary.com, whatever, um, because it's just it's a pretty heavy intellectually heavy book. Um, but he talks about the the six canons of conservative thought, and he goes on with the the first one, the belief in transcendental. He says political problems at bottom are religious and moral problems. A narrow rationality, what Coleridge called the understanding cannot of itself satisfy human needs. Quote, every Tory is a realist, says Keith Feeling. He knows there are great forces in heaven and earth that man's philosophy cannot plumb or fathom. And then this is the really, really important part. He says this, he says, true politics is the art of apprehending and applying the justice which ought to prevail in a community of souls. The, the 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 justice that ought to prevail in a community of souls at at its very very core is my ability to protect myself from harm okay whether that's building a structure to to stay out of the rain building a uh, you know uh, a, a way to a system to you know cook food so i don't end up you know dying of of what's the botulism or whatever food poisoning like that, like my ability to protect myself from harm is one of the most important needs of to, to establish justice and your ability to protect yourself from me is one of your most pressing um, aspects of, of, of justice. If you have no way to protect yourself from evil, that is not, that is not, 
the kind of justice that ought to prevail in a community of souls. Mm-hmm. And the same with abortion. Like if, if the most helpless and, and precious and fragile humans in existence do not have the right to life, that is not a society that expresses justice or, sure. or is not a society in which this, this idea of justice that should prevail in a community of souls. Mm-hmm. So those that so when I vote for a candidate, when I vote on an issue, that's one of the things that I keep in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. How is this individual going to ensure that the 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 justice that ought to prevail in a community of souls will actually prevail? So to, the to give an example of how that looks in my own personal life. Um, I, I during the last election cycle I did not vote for Kevin Kramer. He was running for the House of Representatives. And he was um, he just wasn't quite as conservative as I had liked on some tax cut issues and things like that. And because there was another candidate, there was actually a libertarian candidate that I felt was a little bit stronger on some of the fiscal issues, mm-hmm. I, I voted for him knowing he probably wasn't going to get elected anyway. Sure. But it was it was somewhat of a protest vote, and because I've been lucky enough to have access to Kevin Kramer in in the realm of of terrestrial radio within the state where he is a representative, he I was able to kind of tell him that, like in person, I was able to say, "Hey, here's why I didn't vote for you. These are the things that I'm concerned about, and these are the things that I'm hearing from a lot of my callers." So he knew personally that I did not vote for him. Mm-hmm. Um, about six months ago or something like that, I don't remember the exact time frame. I had an issue that I was dealing with with the IRS. I've got some back taxes that I owe. It's a long story. It was a, a mistake on a W-2 and, or a W-4 or whatever form it was and, and ended up getting it all sorted out. And I owed a couple thousand dollars in back taxes. And I've been paying on it for some time, just kind of, you know, the bare minimum payments because mm-hmm. I'm just not going to give them any more money than I absolutely have to any faster than I absolutely have to. You know, it's kind of my my attempt at malicious compliance, sure. you know. And so I've been paying it. Well, I get a call from the IRS at one point and they say, well, you have to pay all of the remaining balance by the end of this month or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're canceling your payment plan. I said, well, why is that? They said, because after this, this date, the, um, the debt is no longer, the tax debt's no longer collectible. And I kind of st- stepped back a little bit and I went, so what you're telling me is I shouldn't just, I should just not pay it. She right. goes, well, no, no, I can't. I didn't say that. I said, well, no, it's kind of what you said. You said it's not collectible after hearing. such a date. <laughs> so I'll just go and because, you know, the federal government, they can just garnish your bank yeah, account or, right. or and they've done that to me they sure. emptied my bank account once and so I, I said so i'll just go empty out my bank account and keep all cash and wait until after that day and then you can't collect it anymore she goes right. no 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 you can't do that i said look i'm not trying to get out of paying it i i get it it's it's a it's a legitimate tax that i owe i don't have a problem paying it i just I, i'm paying it as i can i can't afford anymore because i don't just the way my budget works, I, I plan for a certain number and I hadn't planned for that many dollars going out of my account. So 
after kind of getting this squared away or at least kind of squared away but not really coming to a resolution, I posted on Facebook just kind of a an offhanded comment. I posted on Facebook I said something like along the lines that the IRS may be the most frustrating organization to deal with in all of mankind or mm-hmm. in the country or in the world or whatever, right? And so like maybe an, a, an hour or two or a day or two later, I can't remember the exact time frame, I get a text message from Congressman Kramer's or a, like a Facebook message from Congressman Kramer's, um, one of his constituent response people. I don't know what his official title was. But he says, hey, I saw what you posted on Facebook. Is there anything we can do? Mm-hmm. And I sent him a message back. I said, no, you know, not really. It's a tax that I owe. It's a legitimate tax. It's just frustrating to have to jump through all these hoops. And he says, well, hang on. Let me call a guy. And then it turned out to be a girl. He let me call a lady and see what we can do. They contact somebody in the IRS. I don't know who that is. I get a phone call within a, a day or two from this lady in the IRS office said, hey, you know, Congressman Kramer's office contacted us. What do we need to do to work this out? I said, well, here's the deal. I've budgeted for this much money a month. I'm willing to pay the tax. I I just don't, I'm not willing to pay any more because I hadn't budgeted for it. Right. And and so she she says, well, okay, we'll get it all figured out. And starting as of the 1st of October, I was back on the payment plan and everything is back in line and we're getting getting it all taken care of. So what that taught me about Congressman Kramer is that even though he knew that I didn't vote for him, he knew that I did not um, support him in the in the previous election. He knew that I was actually leaning towards not voting for him this time. Um, but I hadn't really made that decision. Like he knew all of that and he sure. still instructed his constituent or his constituent response people who knew me personally and also knew that I hadn't voted for Congressman Kramer to make sure that that the justice that ought to prevail in in this situation mm-hmm. were to prevail. Sure. And so that convinced me that Kevin Kramer was the guy that I was going to vote for because he was willing to be my representative and and do what needed to be done to make sure that even in this silly, really quite trivial situation with the IRS, it's not mm-hmm. like I owed, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, it was literally just a couple thousand dollars, but mm-hmm. he, he made sure that, that he was going to use his position to make sure that that justice in this trivial situation would prevail. And, and that's pretty typical from what I understand of his offices. He, yeah. he, he wants to represent North Dakotans. Right. And he wants to be available to North Dakotans. Right. So yeah. anytime I hear representatives or senators, you know, s- saying, you know, like, uh, what was it, Kamala Harris saying, go out and, you know, or was it, was it Kamala Harris or was it the other lady, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee, that was, you know, go out and, and find Republicans in restaurants and, and shout them down and chase them out and, and bother them everywhere they go. That's not someone who, who is willing to represent people who differ with her opinion. You know, and so that is not someone who believes in the applying the justice which ought to prevail. Right. In a community of souls, yeah, but she she just does not believe that. So that those are things. Now that gets a little bit fishier, a little bit harder to really kind of nail down when the candidates are more moderate and and things like that. But that's why there's more than one 
canon of conservative thought. It's not everything is based on just that one sure. issue. The second one is the affection for plurif- proliferating variety and the mystery of human existence, as opposed to the narrowing, narrowing uniformity and egalitarianism and utilitarian aims of most radical systems. Now think about that, right? The, the, the left specifically, and I'm not talking about... So I, I try to make a distinction between the liberal and the Democrat. The, yes. I, I, I gen, or, or I should say the liberal and the leftist. A classical liberal, John Adams, founding father mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of, the, of the United States, the second president following George Washington, John Adams would have likely been considered a classical liberal. Um, Alexander Hamilton, I believe, would have been considered a, a, a classical liberal. Um, Joseph Stalin would be a leftist. Um, I would say that people like Nancy Pelosi... Um, Chuck Schumer, Sheila Jackson Lee, this new this uh, Ocasio Cortez in in New York, Bernie Sanders, they are leftists. Right. They are not. They are not classical liberals. They're progressive leftists. Mm-hmm. And so, the the left will try to tell you all the time they're all about variety and diversity, right? But in reality, what they're saying is they just want everybody to be different, exactly like that. They 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 don't really care about the 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 they say things like. Men and women are exactly the same. There's no difference, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we, women can do everything that men can do, and men can do everything that women can do. And, and if I claim to be a woman, I should be allowed to breastfeed, breastfeed in public, even though I do not have the proper mammary glands to produce milk. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they get into this kind of crazy, just completely and totally denying science so that they can say we're all the same when in reality we're not like my wife and I are two entirely different human beings there are things that my wife cannot do mm-hmm. like just physically that I can like I can I can lift a sheet of sheetrock we're in the process well we've been in the process for 3 or 4 years remodeling our kitchen I can lift a piece of sheetrock up over my head mm-hmm. hold it in place and and you know put a screw in it and hold it until we're ready to go. My wife cannot do that. Sure. Like just physically, she does not yeah. have the ability to do that. Um, because physiologically, she is built different. Like her muscular structure is different than mine. But right. there are some physical things that she can do that I cannot. There's a, it's, a, it's an interesting way. Actually, most people probably learn this in, in elementary school. But then again, they probably don't teach it in elementary school because it proves that there's difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. So if you take a folding chair and you set it against the wall, and then you lean over that folding chair and put your head, like the top of your forehead, mm-hmm. against the wall, and then grab that chair and try and just stand up using your upper body muscles, mm-hmm. just stand up picking up the chair, you won't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Your wife, half your size and half your weight, I don't know if she's actually that small, but I'm just... You Pretty know, close, yeah. She, she could do it easily. Like, it, it would not be hard for her at all, because female muscular structure is just different. It's, mm. it's, they're just built differently. And so this, this idea that we're all the same is absurd. We're just not. And so anytime you hear someone saying, oh, it's all the same and we're all, you know, and, and if you, as long as you just say you're a woman, mm-hmm. that's good enough. As long as you just say you're a man, that's good enough. Well, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not proliferating v- variety. That's not the mystery of human existence. Right. That is exactly what he talks about. The the un, the narrowing uniformity, the egalitarianism, and utilitarian aims of a radical system right. make everybody the same. 
because it's easier to control a group of folks marching in lockstep uniformity. Mm -hmm. There's a reason in the military everybody wears a uniform. There's a reason in the military where everybody understands the rank and file and the way things go. Because in a situation where you need to move and work as a group without question so you can effectively achieve mm -hmm. or accomplish a mission, uniformity is absolutely necessary. But when you are, when you are out in the world and trying to expand and, and grow and do cool business stuff and all of these different things, you need to be able to celebrate the variety of human existence mm -hmm. because we need people. And this gets into the, the, um, the third canon of conservative thought and that the, um, the conviction it's, it's worded the conviction that civilized society requires orders and classes. And I don't remember mm -hmm. when I talked about this last, I think I actually brought this up in a it was previous the first episode. Was it? Yeah. But I think I brought it up again recently. The, 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 um, the need for classes and orders in society. And, and you and I have talked about this before. You mm -hmm. need to have, in a hospital, you need to have the, the heart surgeon and the brain surgeon and the, the head of surgery and the, you know, the, the president of the hospital and all of the nurses and all those sorts of things. But you also need the janitor. You need the guy, I used to drive semi for a living. You need the guy on the loading dock that accepts all the supplies and all the paper towels for all mm -hmm. the bathrooms and all of those sorts of things that make a hospital run. Mm -hmm. You have to have both. You have to have the brain surgeon that does the life-saving surgery on the kid who's got cancer. And you also have to have the guy who cleans the bathroom right. and, and cleans the, the prep room mm -hmm. for the doctors as they're getting ready to go into surgery. Mm -hmm. You've got to have both because the doctor can't clean the room and then use his dirty hands covered in germs and gross to go do the brain surgery. Right. Doesn't work. Yeah. So you have to have both. There has to be classes and orders in society. You need a plumber and you need a general contract. Well, I, mean, I mean, the reality is, and I mean, this is going to hurt a lot of people's feelings, but the reality is not every janitor is smart enough to be a doctor. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it really comes down to that. And so, and not everybody wants, not every janitor wants to work as hard as it would take to become a doctor and earn the paycheck as a doctor, nor right. do they maybe care. Right. For some yeah. people. And, and I know. I have I, no desire to get into the medical field. Well, right. I've got a good friend of mine. Yeah. And you, you will never make the amount of money that a doctor makes and you're right. okay with that. Right. But I've got a good friend of mine. She, uh, she works as a general manager for a store. Now she's got a, 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 a four year degree. She could be easily making four times what she's making at the store, but she just, she likes what she does. Likes what she does. So she continues to work there. Who right. can really judge? So, I mean, I, there's, I think there's a natural order for things. Yes. But I also think that a lot of it comes down to personal choice and this idea that, you know, when you talk about universal basic income or any of those kinds of things, the idea that everybody should agree on what a basic income is or that there right. should be an agreed upon standard for work for an agreed upon wages is ridiculous. Well, and here's the other thing with that, too, as far as wages and whatnot go. When you start talking about what an agreed upon wage is or, or what a, an, an official wage should be, mm -hmm. the, the idea is based on what you, how you want to live your life. Right, because I've I've actually talked about this on my terrestrial show. I have figured out that my wife, my daughter, has now moved out and is living with uh, a couple of roommates. But my wife and my daughter and my son all live in the same house. And I figured out that if I had to, in an emergency situation, I lost my job, my wife lost her job, whatever it was, if if we absolutely had to, we could pare down our budget. We could eliminate the you know the Netflix 
um, subscription. We could eliminate, you know, a couple other things that we have just because we want them. And I could live on about $24,000 a year. Really? Now, it, it would not be a comfortable life. Yeah. It would not be, you know, there would be no vacations. Mm-hmm. There would be no, you know, going out to eat. It would be a lot of, as Dave Ramsey always says, a lot of beans, beans and, and rice, rice, rice and beans, right? I mean, I, I could live and, and not be homeless mm-hmm. and not freeze to death and not starve. So it's, it's interesting. I've done the same calculation, and I've actually whittled it down a little bit more. Now, part of it is because... Uh, I guess my kids are maybe smaller, so maybe I mm. have less money budgeted for groceries and those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, people can live on a lot less than I think that they want to. It's right. just the issue in this country is that a want becomes a need, a need becomes an entitlement, an entitlement becomes a right, and a right becomes right. something that it becomes the government and somebody else's responsibility to give it to me. Yeah. Well, and don't even get into that because so you have family who is in, in the medical field, mm-hmm. and and I've talked about before is is healthcare really a a a human right right is 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 medical insurance or medical coverage or medical whatever is it a human right and and there i suppose are some some legitimate um arguments to say that it is but at the same time if we determine that medical care or health insurance or whatever is a human right then that means i get the the privilege of conscripting your family member into service right without pay right. like i get to according to the law because we've determined that medical care is a human right i get to enslave your family member mm-hmm. because they are a medical provider and the question you have to ask yourself is somebody's looking at two different curves well i could go and be a doctor or i could go be an engineer well if i go be a doctor i have to work for whatever it is they tell me i have to work for because it's a human right. If I go work as an engineer, I get now. You know, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with, to a certain degree. There's going to be a lot of people that say, "What's wrong with that?" So what? Fine. Well, understand. You What's are that, going, right. That's what I'm saying. Here's what here's here's what you have to understand. You have to understand is you're going to get people in those career fields that all they care about is helping people, and that's a good right. thing. Yeah, of course. But they're obviously not going to be focused on money. And so, 15, 20 years down the road, we're going to start having a conversation of. Doctors are super valuable. We really need them. Why is it they only make $24,000 a year? Right. Well, we do this with teachers already, right? Exactly. We, we, exactly. We, we romanticize teachers. Well, we've decided that education is a human right. That right. every kid in the United States is going to get a government-provided education. Right. And because it's... It, because it, it because it's government mandated, we have then artificially set the price of what we're going to charge citizens. So we right. artificially set the price of what we're going to pay teachers... And look what happens. Right. We run it down to the bottom of the barrel. And so you have very talented educators. It's not that they care about the kids any less. Right. Most of them don't. But they are going to work at a drastically lower wage than if you let the free market just say, listen, let's let teachers battle it out. And parents like you and I would say, listen, you want Kenny, I want little Noah and Sophie to get the be- and me want to get the best education possible. Right. So you'll pay your teacher fifty thousand. I'll pay mine seventy five thousand. We'll just duke it out until right. one of us gets the best level education the other one gets almost the best level education right well and and then the other thing that that does is it eliminates mediocrity yes absolutely you know it eliminates mediocrity because now people have to be involved in the decision to uh, of choosing a teacher you know because right now it's like well i just send them to the government the government school right that's just what you do i don't have to think about it i don't have to worry about it i don't even have to help them with their homework anymore right because they've got special periods in in school now where 
they get help with their homework. So mom and dad get to disconnect a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this is a whole other discussion that we don't have time for and I don't want to get into today. But the, the idea that the, I've talked about several times before, the, the church, the reason that the church in America is, is no longer relevant Really, and I shouldn't say no longer relevant. It's not as relevant as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Is because the government they they've absconded their responsibilities. They have they have turned over their responsibilities to the government. We people don't tithe to the church anymore because they're tithing by force to the government. Right. It used to be. Well, and, and, and I don't know if I buy that. Well, but, but that's I mean, and I'm being somewhat you know yeah. a, a facetious in saying that, but we we. We don't. The, it used to be the churches that provided. If if there was people that needed food mm-hmm. and you didn't have any food, any food, it used to be the churches that provided that service. Mm-hmm. If you if you needed a little bit of help with your rent, it used to be you could go to your local church and say to pastor, you know, hey pastor, it's been a rough month. Um, I lost my job. I you know I I fell down at work and broke my ankle. I haven't been able to work for six weeks. I need a little bit of help with my with my uh, with my whatever you know mm-hmm. with my rent with my groceries whatever and and that was kind of the approach of most people up until probably into the late 30s early 40s mm-hmm. and then following that we ran into this whole um th- with the entitlement programs and things that came about during the depression and and began to grow following the depression we we ran into a position where the church no longer needed to provide that stuff because the government was providing it for us through. Let me play. Let me play a little bit of devil's advocate. Okay. So, what do you tell the gay transgender atheist who needs some help with his rent? Where does um, that person go in the in the? They model- should be able to go to the church. Okay. So, uh, because uh, because if I if what I believe about what I believe is really real. Mm-hmm. Then I don't care what your personal issues are, mm-hmm. because the truth is I'm a sinner just like everybody else. Yeah, you just I just I just picked a different sin. Yeah, and so if a if a sinner needs help, it doesn't matter what their sin is. It should be the church's responsibility to help them. So should be so, that's well, the yeah, key yeah, word, right? No, for sure. So and I mean, obviously these are hypothetical questions, but because right. I don't, I think both of us acknowledge there's probably zero percent chance that we go back to that model. But right, but I I think that. Um, the issue then becomes that really it was the church who first failed to uphold the standards as set forth by the by. It, right. it really, it's actually interesting because what you look at, and I, I know you've talked about this on the show before. Oftentimes, what we look is is you you start looking at things and going, "Man, we always thought we knew better," and actually, as it turns out, it was right from square one. Mm-hmm. You know, so but you know, and you've talked about that. I think in the in the realm of uh, like sexuality and stuff right, like yeah, that. Yeah. So so but. But that that's where I think that a lot of the I think a lot of the opposition would come is they would say, well, the nice thing about the government is that it is it is totally blind to, you know, religion and beliefs and all of that stuff. But I understand what you're saying. I think it makes a lot of sense. And the interesting thing about the church is the churches don't treat people as a transaction. They they should be treating people as individuals and right. people and digging into a situation and not just solving the surface area problem of let me give you some money. Let's yeah. solve the deeper issue of let's get you a job. Let's get you connected to a bunch of people that love and care about you yeah. and can walk with you to figure out this mess. I've used the example and and it, it some of this becomes a chicken or the egg question, right? Like mm-hmm. did did the church quit taking responsibility for this stuff? 
and then the government had to pick up the slack, or did the quit did the church quit taking responsibility? Be, be ability. Wow, <laughs> did the church quit mm-hmm. taking responsibility for this stuff because the government stepped in? See, and I would you argue know? it's a, I would argue it's option three. I would argue that the church used their position to take care of these things as a method of control of other mm. people, and I think and and my understanding or my my understanding of history would lead me to believe that that's what led people to say listen i want to get the church out of this and i, I think part of that is why you have a lot of people that have this vehement hate for uh church and church culture mm-hmm. right even among people that grew up yeah you know, in the church yeah right? exactly yeah. and then they yeah. grow up and go man i just want nothing I don't to want do to be a part people. of that so anyway that's a that's a, a side discussion that i really hadn't planned on getting yeah. into but <laughs> it, it is it is part of the discussion right i mean this sure. is if if the if you're going to ask the question um you know what is the conservative Christian viewpoint on on how to determine who to vote for? That's part of the discussion. Um, so anyway, now I can't remember where we were um, with with all of this, but the the um, the next canon of conservative thought it says persuasion that freedom and property are closely linked. Without property rights, there is no liberty. Mm-hmm. Period. If I do not have a right to my own castle, so to speak, then I have no liberty whatsoever Mm -hmm. because if you can just come and kick me out of my home kick me out of my shelter you know whatever i built a little lean to in a forest somewhere then i have no liberty at all and and this relates to the the immigration issue right if you're not willing to enforce the borders Mm -hmm. essentially the the way we have to look at border security and in the issue of borders and i think i talked about this in the immigration episode um, the caravan, the one that I talked about, the caravans. Um, if if you don't address the issue of border security as a property rights issue for a so- sovereign nation, mm-hmm. then then you're missing the point. Right. Because the it, it's not about the immigration. As I've said a million times, we need immigrants. We want immigrants. You're some of your family were literally immigrants, and and we need we need people from other countries. You know, to to go down the list of stereotypes, your dad, doctor, Indian. Right. Right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's pretty much as stereotypical as you can get. Yeah. I mean, right? well, he was, when he's growing up, his choices were a hotel owner or a doctor. Right. So yeah. I mean, that's. Picked, or a gas station attendant. Yeah. So he went with doctor. <laughs> you know, I mean, so we. And we so, just lost half the listeners. Right. So, but we need, we need immigrants. That's not the issue. We want immigrants. We need people, you know, the, the old cliche, and I don't mean this to be racist, but we need the people that are willing to do the work that nobody else will do. Right. But we also need the people who are willing to um, put in the hard work to become a doctor or an engineer or you know whatever it is that they want to become. We need some of that because there just isn't enough people in the United States to fill all those positions, right? We this is one of the the the, the concerns. Oh, the the illegal immigrants are going to take our jobs. Are they though? I mean, I it, I get that that's a concern, but are they really? You know, I, I've never ever. In, and, and I've done everything from driving truck to to auto mechanic to landscaping to construction work to whatever. I've never ever had to compete with an immigrant for my mm-hmm. job, ever. Sure, I've I've worked with them. Yep, but I've never had to compete for my job with them. Mm-hmm. So the, we need immigrants. That's not the issue. The issue is property rights. Mm-hmm. Freedom and property are inextricably and. Irrevo- irrevocably linked. If you 
aren't, if you do not have access or you do not have the rights to your own property, you do not have liberty at all. Mm-hmm. And so when, when the migrant caravan or when the illegal immigrants are, are storming the border and saying, you must let me in, it's really no different than your neighbor coming to your house and saying, you must let me in. Mm-hmm. That, that, is, that is essentially property rights for a sovereign nation, which is the United States. Right. So that one is, is pretty self-explanatory. Freedom and property are, are, are closely linked. Uh, he, he goes on to say, to separate private possession or separate property from private possession and the Leviathan becomes master of all. Economic leveling, they maintain, is not economic progress. And this is the whole discussion of, you know, equal pay for everybody and, and or some sort of standard wage or, you know, CEOs are not allowed to earn a certain amount of money or, mm-hmm. you know, a maximum wage type of argument. Economic leveling is not economic progress. Mm-hmm. Economic leveling will simply destroy economies the world over, even economies as vibrant and, and large as the United States. Um the fifth candidate of conservative thought, he says, faith in prescription and distrust of sophisters, calculators, and economists who would reconstruct society upon abstract design. Custom, convention, and old prescription are checks both upon man's anarchic impulse and upon the innovator's lust for power. That one's a little bit more complicated, a little bit more convoluted, but the idea being that change for the sake of change, just to say we changed, is not that's gr- also, it's not growth it's that's not also positive. One of the, that's also one of the hazardous behaviors in the aviation industry is it really yep they they actually talk about change just for the sake of change well, doing something it's impulsivity doing something for the sake of doing something is not necessarily a positive thing in fact it would you be better off sometimes to take no action to do nothing yeah, yeah. and so the the idea that that the 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 custom and convention being uh checks both on man's anarchic impulse and the innovators lust for power that's a that's an interesting statement to me because if you think about custom and convention you think of things you know old institutes and i don't mean like old universities and things like that but the institution of marriage like it has been for several thousand years this is the way it worked mm-hmm. and now we're we're trying to redefine this and for what reason i mean the the I, I, I don't know if I've got time for this, but the it's a podcast you got all the, the time you want. <laughs> the issue, the, it's true. The issue of the issue of marriage, right? The, you, people ask me, well, why are you against gay marriage? And and of course, the argument always is, well, it's because you're a religious bigot, mm-hmm. right? That's the and the truth is, I can argue the issue of gay marriage from a completely non-religious mm-hmm. and and secular discussion. Mm-hmm. And that being simply, you have to ask the question, why does the United States, because I would actually argue that the United States government at any level, whether it's federal, state, local, you know, municipal, whatever, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that there is a role for the government in marriage. I agree. I, at all. And, and, but beyond that, you have to ask the question, why does the United States government at any level, federal to, to, you know, to the highest federal level, to the lowest local level, why do they sanction marriage? The, the, the honest to God truth is the United States government does not care whether you love each other or not, right? Because that's always the argument. Well, if two people love each other, we should leave them alone. Let them do whatever they want, right? Mm-hmm. The United States government does not care whether your wife and you or your, your significant other or whatever, you know, same-sex spouse, whatever. The, the United States government does not care 
one iota, whether you love each other or not. Right. They they would be just happy if you hated each other and slept in separate bedrooms or, heck, slept in separate houses, for that matter. Mm-hmm. They don't care. Mm-hmm. what the, the United States government, the benefit to the United States government as it relates to marriage is children. You have offspring who grow up to be taxpayers. Right. That's it. You're proliferating the species. So taxpayer mom and taxpayer dad come together and have taxpayer baby who one day goes up to continue to fund the Leviathan that is the government. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing the United States government cares about. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that marriage, the only reason for marriage is children uh, you know, on an on a, on a emotional level or a, a, a spiritual level or a religious level or anything like that, because that's absurd, because we all know people who are deeply in love, and for whatever reason, mom has had to have a, a hysterectomy or whatever, can't have kids, or dad has you know, low sperm count or whatever, can't have kids. And it, it's a successful marriage and they're great for society and they take care of each other and all of those sorts of things. So that's not the point I'm making. Mm-hmm. Purely from the government's standpoint, the only thing they care about is is whether or not you are going to proliferate the species and and grow, raise new taxpayers to continue to fund the government. That's the only thing they care about. So from that perspective, gay marriage cannot produce children. Whether it's a lesbian marriage, a, a a gay marriage, a a trans whatever you know marriage, they cannot produce children. Now they can adopt and 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 they can do all of those sorts of things and raise kids, but they cannot produce children. Right? Two guys, no matter how hard they try, are never going to have a baby. Like by natural means, a a the production of a new child. It's just not going to happen scientifically it doesn't work that way same with two women it does not work that way mm-hmm. even even if it's a man and a woman or a, a transgender man who claims to be a woman even though they claim to be man and woman they still can't ever produce children so the idea is if if the reason the united states government sanctions marriage is for children to grow up and become taxpayers then there's no reason for the government to sanction a gay marriage. Now, that aside, I'm not suggesting that you know gay people shouldn't be allowed to visit their significant other in the hospital or even share expenses through you know you know health insurance or or whatever. I guess if I own a health insurance company and I offer a rate to you know Bob and Sally for you know cohabitators or whatever you want to call them to get a, a, a discount on health insurance. Mm-hmm. So what? Do it for, you know, Bob and Fred. Doesn't matter to me. If they if the if the insurance company wants to offer that, it's the insurance company's prerogative. Mm-hmm. Now there are some extra health and health issues that come along with um, with homosexuality. We know that there's different health risks in, in engaging in that behind the behavior. So maybe they would have to have a little bit higher rate purely from a a uh, a risk pool assessment. Mm-hmm. But I mean that's that's just you know if I have if I have uh, you know a pre-existing condition it's going to cost me more to get health insurance than whatever and d- I know people are going to send in the email or whatever are you calling homosexuality a pre-existing condition no that just that's not <laughs> what I'm saying yeah. yeah just whatever but you get the point so anyway now um, back to the sixth canon of conservative thought sixth canon of conservative thought says. Recognition that change may not be salutary salutary reform. 
Hasty innovation may be a devouring conflagration rather than a torch of progress. Society must alter for prudent change is the means of social preservation. But a statesman must take providence into his calculation and a statement's, statesman's chief virtue, according to Plato and Burke, is prudence. Like, is the change a wise change? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, like I said, coming back to the, the whole marriage issue. Is moving to allowing two men to, quote-unquote, be married and have their marriage sanctioned by the United States government, is that a prudent change? Now, I suppose there's arguments on both sides, whether it is or not, but that's the question you have to ask. That has to play into the, the calculations according to, um, according to Russell Kirk and the Six Canons of Conservative Thought. Now, how does all of this relate to choosing people on the ballot? Right. I mean, that's that's because that's where this whole discussion started. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to look at each individual um, running for election. And the first thing you kind of have to ask is, do they adhere to, in one form or another, these six canons of conservative thought? Mm -hmm. Um, And the only way you know that is to get to know the candidates either personally or take the time to listen to talk radio, to podcasts, to interviews that they do, and not the sound bites and not just the ads on the, on the radio or ads on TV, right. but, but take the time to research the candidate, dig into their voting record. It's all public knowledge. I mean, the, the, none of this is a surprise to anybody. So the, the problem with that is that it requires effort on your part. So the question then that I have for you, Noah, is, is it was brought to me the other day. Somebody said, my friend told me they're not going to vote. And they said, because they don't even know who's on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And they asked me, would you be willing to help them go through the ballot? So they can vote, you know, mm-hmm, so they would mm-hmm. feel comfortable voting. Mm-hmm. And after some discussion, I essentially said, yeah, just tell them not to vote. Like, and I hate taking that position, mm-hmm. but this individual was so disconnected from, from the, the process that it would have resulted in me simply telling them who to vote for based on my own views. And... Well, that's good for me and the candidates that I support mm-hmm. and the and the issues that I support. I don't feel like that is the right approach to take. Sure. Like I would rather have them not vote than vote an extra vote for me. That seems unfair. Mm-hmm. Is that the right approach? Do you think I answered that question correctly? I think to a certain degree, I think the maybe the one thing that might be that might be missing here you know, when I get people, I own an IT company, When I uh, sometimes I'll get people and they'll come in and they'll say, well, I need you to fix this computer, right? And so they'll hand me a computer and I'll, I'll go into a network. Now, I can explain to them at a very, very, very high level, like at a very, very cursory 10,000 foot overview kind of thing of what we're doing. Right. But the, the truth is they don't really care about the minutiae, nor is it really necessary for them to understand the minutiae for them to really dig into it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is it's not practical for them to be expected to dig into this stuff with the frequency and depth that I do every day. Right. So when somebody says, you know, I want a phone here 
I want a, I want a computer here. I want wireless over here. I want this over here. And then we kind of work through that. I think there's an appropriate place for those of us who don't follow politics, maybe as closely as you do to say, listen, I generally agree with Brad's worldview. Okay. I generally appreciate kind of the way that Brad approaches things. So I don't really have time to get into the minutia of each individual cat. Like I wish I did. I wish I had the time and luxury to really right. dig into, to, to participate in my own future that to that level. But the reality is, how long is the ballot? I mean, how right. many different people are on there? Uh, many of which aren't even party affiliated. So like you said, you really have to talk and you've interviewed most, right. if not all of those people. Right. So I think it, there is an appropriate place to say, listen, I don't really under, I, I know generally what I want. I want less government control. I want a Christian conservative point of view. And so whatever, whatever you have decided after doing the thorough research and digging into this for two plus years mm -hmm. of those particular candidates I'm much more interested in I'm much more interested in your recommendations than I and and I think that that would make me a more informed voter than I could ever be if right. I tried to dig into those candidates myself. So I would agree with that. The only thing that the the only the I guess the only other bit of information that I didn't give in mm -hmm. this scenario is that I'm not entirely convinced that this person would necessarily hold my worldview. Oh, sure. And so I didn't want to it was kind of one of the and and maybe this is me trying to uh, to feign nobility, you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say, Hey, these are the people you should vote for mm -hmm. knowing that this person may not hold the same values that I would hold. Right. And wouldn't, if they had the time, wouldn't vote that way. So I just said, you know, I think it's better that they maybe just don't vote. Mm -hmm. And I don't like doing that. I hate that. Like, I think everybody should vote as often as legal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. You know, but I, I just, that's like I say I wasn't sure quite how to handle that situation because I didn't want to I didn't want to to unfairly influence someone who may not have my worldview but at the same time I just it was so like I could have probably filled out a sample ballot mm -hmm. and just handed it to her and said here vote for these people these are the best people for these positions right which is exactly what my wife did. Mm -hmm. Like my wife wants to know. So we mm -hmm. sat down every, every election, my wife and I do this. We sit down, I tell her, this is who I'm voting for. This is why and my wife goes, I agree with your point of view. My wife and I are pretty much in lockstep on just about everything. Mm -hmm. And, and she goes, okay, that's if, you know, she knows that I've interviewed all these people. Mm -hmm. She knows that I've done the research and she trusts me. We've right. been married for 22 years. Yeah. And so she goes, okay. And she literally just takes the sample ballot that I have, had her that you know they walk through it with her and she fills it out as we go mm -hmm. and she literally goes into the voting booth and just you know matches the circles oh i filled out this one this one this one, this, one, this one. and so i could have done that for this person as well but i just didn't feel like that was the right thing to do it felt a little shady right to me am i am i no not at all no i completely you know that's and that's but here's the thing though that right there, the fact that you have respect for somebody else's views and wouldn't use your position of, you know, your position of power, I Influence, guess, is where, yeah. yeah, to be able to tell them this is what I want you to do, even though, you know, it's what you want and not what they want. I think that's why the listeners of this program can trust you when you say, here's where I'm coming from. Here's why I'm coming from this point yeah. of, of view. Here's what I think. Here's who I'm voting for. And here's why. Now, if they know that they don't agree with you, then they then at least they know why. Right. Well, and and I I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the show. I should have. I, I'm so used to doing 
terrestrial radio where I'm constantly giving the phone number. Sure. You know, and, and I didn't even give the phone number out this morning. Um, but I should, we should maybe do this. So let's, the phone number is 866-766-1776. And we need to mention this as we're kind of wrapping up, because we've gone through the six cans of conservative thought mm-hmm. and we've gone through, Hey, these are the reasons and the whys you should vote for the various people. Uh, um, so let's mention this because tomorrow night's election day here in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, there are people listening. I, it is so cool to look at the metrics to see where people are listening from. Mm-hmm. Norway, Sweden, Australia, South Africa, people all over the world listen to this podcast. And then we're not like some huge, you know, we're not like a, you know, some 50 gazillion subscriber. Who's the, who's the YouTube idiot that's, that's got like the most subscribers? Uh, PewDiePie. Oh, like, yeah, the gamer. Like, yeah, like it, he's like 67 million subscribers. So I get it. I'm not PewDiePie, but it's still cool to me that well, there's people listening literally all over the world. Like UK, it's awesome. Anyway. California, it's pretty much like a different country. Um, <laughs> so there's that. If you're listening from California, I'm sorry. I've just it's. I like picking on people from California. My sister-in-law lives in California. No hate mail. It's just yeah. I'm just teasing. And if you don't have enough sense of humor to take a little teasing, then you need to get together with Noah, the half Indian exactly guru. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'll offend the heck so out of you. We're gonna uh, maybe I was just. Uh, I'd almost want to start calling you Brownie, but that, that's fine. That feels like it might be just a little bit too far. Well, I don't think it's too far. <laughs> I'd I'd embrace it. Uh, so anyway, Chris calls me Brown Bear. That's does his, he? Yeah, it's his way of calling me Brownie without yelling me Brownie. Nice. Uh, is there like is there like a so like every culture right? Mm-hmm. If you're Italian, you're a wop. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all the different derogatory terms. Ooh, that's good. Is I, there I, a derogatory I, term for Indian? I don't know what the appropriate ethnic slur would be for somebody of my heritage. Because you're not really a mulatto. Sand, you know. Oh, I, yeah. That's maybe. one I've heard. Yeah. That does feel towel? a little bit too much, though. Yeah, towelhead. Towel, <laughs> yeah, but you guys don't really wear turbans, do you? Oh, I think they do. Yeah, like the... the um, I mean, obviously, my family doesn't because we're Christian, but you know, the, right. I, but I, I think there is other. Oh, the Hindu. I'm not, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I guess I'm not real sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, what the appropriate slur would be. I'll have to do some research on that. <laughs> do my homework. So anyway, I don't know how we got there, but all of a sudden, um, we were treading on some very thin ice there for a moment. <laughs> we keep we keep it family friendly. Um. So um, yeah. So tomorrow night's election night. We are going to be doing live election coverage. Dude, I'm so excited for that. This is going to be cool. So we've already got some cool interviews lined up. Kevin Kramer, of course, um, is. I just got an email from from his his communications people, and they said, you know, just get us a contact number, and and you know, we'll we'll do our best to call in. Kevin is going to actually be watching the election results from his home in Bismarck, um, and then after the the results are announced, he's going to head down to the GOP headquarters in the state capitol and and show up there so um he's going to be joining jeff johnson is running for governor of minnesota he's going to be joining us uh at some point during the uh, uh the the night the local sheriff's candidate here in our community is having his party or whatever they call it at the same place that we're going to be doing our event from which is for those who are listening locally here in grand forks north dakota area um we're going to be at the ground round on 32nd avenue 
That means I had somebody nothing. reach out in the chat room the other day. They said, uh, just I was doing a, I was doing a, my show, and, and somebody reached out and they said, hey, I'm thinking about making the drive. So there are some people that are interested in really? coming up. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I mean, of course, you don't have to. You can hang out with us virtually. Right. We'll probably have the mumble room open. Obviously, the phone lines will be open. And um, some of the guru stuff that you're handling that I have know nothing about. Yeah, right. I'll be we'll be pushing. We'll be making ones and zeros move. Right. We'll be flipping bits. Flipping That's what we're bits. gonna do. Switching, switching switches. Do you have any dip switches? Do we yeah. Still do oh that? yeah, we got dip switches. Do we? Yeah, we do. In that little control thing at the very bottom there. Nice. Yeah, we got. I like, dip, we I totally like, could flip some dip yeah, switches. I want some dip switches flipped one yeah. way or another. Even if we just flip it one way and flip it back, because I feel like, I like the analog, like the feeling connected to the stream, right? Like. A little bit of Lawnmower Man. That makes up. absolutely no sense whatsoever. But do you yeah. know who Lawnmower Man is? No, but anal- connected. What is wrong with you? My, how can my you brain be a, just my brain just said te- How can you be a? <laughs> you said how, how can you be a how can you be a right. techie geek and I'm not you, know I'm, Lawnmower Man? I'm YouTubing it. Lawnmower this is, Man. This is something we don't have to do on the stream. I can do this after we're we're done. But I'll I'll right. I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll research my appropriate ethnic slur and <laughs> and I will look up I'll look up Lawnmower Man. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's uh, for those who who do want to join us, you know, whether it's locally or if you feel like flying in from Australia, uh, we will be at the Ground Round on 32nd Avenue in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Um, all we're we're going to start the stream at eight. Now, the reason we chose eight Central Time is because the polls close here Central Time seven o'clock. The, of course, the polls close Eastern Time um, eight seven Central. So they will by the time we're on the air, the polls. Um, in the in the eastern time zone will have already closed and some of the results will start to be kind of flickering and and flittering in you know trickling their way into um, the 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 various Secretary of State's websites we're going to be following several races um, of course Manchin in Virginia is a big race Donnelly in Indiana is a big race um, the the governor Rick Scott and his competitor in the Senate race in Florida is is a big race. Um, Texas, uh, Cruz and O'Rourke is a big race. There's a lot of kind of big races that we're going to be following throughout the night um, and just having some fun. Because one of the things that I get a little frustrated with, Noah, and, and I know you get a little frustrated with as well, is the um, the 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 election coverage seems so staunchy and sterile and whatever we're gonna actually have a good time we're gonna lo- laugh and joke and 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 probably talk about some ethnic slurs as they relate to your <laughs> your your heritage in a family um, friendly way like, we don't want right to yeah yeah off, yeah because like, yeah. well you're half white i mean so yeah, exactly i mean listen and I, i'm as white I, as sour I, cream I, I've, I've said this before there there is you know when you actually the only people that get offended about a lot of stuff typically actually really have no real tie to people of different races, right? Like right. those of us who actually do come from mixed families and have a lot of race, like no, nobody gets offended about stuff like that, nobody right? Cares. But yeah. yeah, because it's all it's all in good fun, and it's it, there's a well, difference between hateful speech and joking around. And those that can't those that can't differentiate between those two, you're not a better person. You're just no fun to hang out with. So uh, here's let me ask you something because I felt like I. Kind of stuck my foot in my mouth the other day. So we got to okay. ride. We got to ride in a Tesla. On, yes. Was it Saturday? Yes. So we got to ride in the Tesla on Saturday with a friend of yours and yep. his and his girlfriend. Right. She was obviously of Asian descent. Yes. I don't know which Asian descent. 
don't um, but I made some comment about, I don't remember what it was, about selling secrets, spies and stuff, right? Okay. Selling secrets. And I said something about they were selling secrets, I don't know, to the Chinese right. or something. And as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, Greg, you know, here's the thing, though. Greg wouldn't date her if she was that kind of person, right? Okay. If you haven't, I mean, you were in the car with Greg and you right. figured out pretty quickly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So as soon as I said it, I went, or the Russians or somebody else. So, yeah, people like us, people like me, who've really had no experience with any of that kind of stuff, it, we feel uncomfortable. And essentially what you're saying is most of you who do have experience with it, mm-hmm. it's just fun watching us squirm. And feel uncomfortable. Well, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, I, I really, 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 really wish we could just get away from it altogether. Oh, yeah. Because it's honestly really uncomfortable and really frustrating. I, right. I wish we could just get away from all of that. How do you do that? This I is maybe I, a different I, discussion well, for it, another it, it show. Is, but, but I, you know, in the words of Morgan Freeman, stop talking about it. Mm. Stop pointing out the differences between white and black. And this was never more clear to me than it was with my kids. I, I'll remember this example forever. My son was watching TV. And he tells me, Dad, the black man's doing this. Dad, the white man's doing this. Dad, the black man's doing this. And all of a sudden, I notice his examples are exactly reversed. It's actually the Caucasian male that he's referring to the black man. And it is the African-American that he's referring to the white man. Mm. And I'm not I'm not understanding. And I'm trying to follow what he, in everything he's describing. It's 100% reversed. And it's not until he starts talking about the purple man. That it occurs to me, he's not talking, he's talking about, about the color of their clothes. He's talking about their suit jackets, and that was the kind of this like aha moment where I like realized, he didn't like, get it. no, skin color to him is totally transparent. Yeah. He will have to be taught racism through the public school system because God knows it never has occurred to him that right. people with different colors of skin. To him, yeah, dad has a different colored skin than mom has a different colored skin than one kid that he plays with. Doesn't matter to him. Right. He could care less. Yeah. He He just they're just they're a name, and then there's the color of their clothes. Skin color is completely. Yeah. Uh, he's a totally oblivious to it. My my daughter grew up similarly. So we lived in Colorado Springs when my daughter was little. We moved there when she was about two. And moved back here when she was about 10-ish. And so when we, our first apartment in Colorado Springs, we lived on the third floor of a, it was like two apartments, three stories high, right? So there was six apartments in our building, in our little unit, whatever you want to call it. So right next door to us on the right was an African family. And I don't mean like African-American, like they were African. Like they came out to go to work in the morning with like the bright, you know, yellow, almost, you know, I don't even know what you call it, but the very traditional African clothing, you know, the, the hats with the, with uh, all of the, the crazy colors in the clothes that, and the, like the men wore the, the, like the tunics that went down, you know, all the way to their calves. And the women wore these very bright, colorful dresses, very traditionally like, like uh, National Geographic kind of traditionally mm-hmm. African clothing, right? They were very, and didn't speak a lick of English. Sure. Like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then right next to them, or I'm sorry, right underneath them mm-hmm. was a Mexican family who was like, they were Mexican, Mexican. Like we called the cops multiple times on our next door neighbor thinking mm-hmm. it was them playing the music. And it was actually the Mexican family underneath them. Like two in the afternoon or two in the morning didn't mm-hmm. matter Mexican polka music, as loud as it could go, like shaking the whole building kind of thing. Hmm. Like they were every stereotype that you could ever imagine of an, of a Mexican family. Mm-hmm. It was them. So right next, and they were wonderful people. They just, 
played their music really loud sure, all yeah. the time. Yeah. So, and then right next to them, underneath us, was an Indian family, not, you know, from India. I almost said something else, but <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, they were in, so like that was my daughter's experience growing up, right? Mm-hmm. For the first, her first experience when we lived in a, in this major city is that everybody around us was completely different from us and everybody around us was completely different from everybody else around them. Right. So she just never, you know, they were just neighbors to her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so it was a, it's, it was interesting to move back here to North Dakota where we're like 98% white, you know, there's the only thing whiter than the, the citizenry of North Dakota is the snow basically, mm-hmm. you know? And so it was a little bit strange for her to, to kind of, have those conversations in school because she'd get to school and you know one of her classmates was was black one of them was jewish and she had said one time there was on a trip to a i don't remember where she was going but she was on a trip somewhere for a band thing right mm-hmm. and she was trying to explain to somebody which who she was talking about she said well it's the jewish kid and all of her classmates freaked out you can't say that that's racist my daughter's like what are you talking about he's jewish like he wears a yarmulke to school right. every day. He's Jewish. Sure, like sure. It, in her mind, it wasn't like a derogatory thing. She was just, it was a descriptor. Yeah. Like he's the Jewish kid. Because right. he's literally the only kid in the school yeah. who's Jewish. Right. So, yeah. So, you anyways. know, the thing is, too, it's weird, too, because it's almost like we always assume the worst about humanity, right? If you said the techie kid, Right. Nobody, uh, nobody attributes that, or nobody associates that with a, a negative right. connotation. Right. If you said, if you said the 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 gun kid, nobody. Attri- you know, I don't know. It's yeah. weird. Like there are certain things. Yeah, the kid who likes to go hunting, or the yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why there are certain descriptors that are just taboo to identify with. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a discussion you and I need to figure out and have a little bit. We can talk about all the different. We can just go down a list, all of the different racial slurs, and just spend an hour. Talking about each individual is like so. Like say Italians, you know that the the old gangster movies, the Italians were the wops, right? Were they? I think so. Is that like is that like a like an inappropriate? I have term? no. I dude, I am the wrong person to ask. So I'm Irish. Like so, I'm not really Irish. It's a long story. I thought I was German. I thought I was as German as they come. Well, then I find out. Oh, you know what? So being German with a last name like Schmidt, right? I can tell this joke. So. um how many how many Germans does it take to to uh, turn in a light bulb? I don't know. Only one. We are very efficient and do not have a sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> clever, clever. So yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, um, I don't know where I'm at now. Oh, anyway, we'll we'll do a whole show of just all the various. We'll just go through just a list an hour. We'll just read. There's actually, if you go to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. there's a list. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is that there's actually a Wikipedia article on it. So, all right, we're already 15 minutes over time. Noah, thank you again. Thanks for having for me again. I appreciate you know, it. I think we kind of need to continue this. Absolutely. I, I think I feel like it flows a little better um, to having somebody to, to throw ideas off of. Um, we should have, I should have been better about opening the phone lines. We could have had people call in and ask, you know, who I thought they should vote for uh, in various You know what? They can, call in, they can call in on election night coverage. Mm-hmm. That's tomorrow at 8 p.m. Central. So make sure they make sure they join. Like you say, so I'll be getting off the air. Uh, we'll be doing our, you know, right, my you show. Do the Ask Noah we'll show. Get, we'll be six to seven. And then what I'll probably do is just do a little bit of a community hangout between seven and eight mm. and just kind of warm everything up. And then hopefully we'll land 
at uh, election coverage at 8 p.m. So yeah, that's it's going to be a, it's going to be a it's going to be an all night party essentially tomorrow. Yeah, and we're essentially inviting everybody from the Ask Noah show mm-hmm. and from from the Schmidt show and everybody. So mm-hmm. it should be a lot of fun. So all right, um, Noah. I think that pretty well does it for us. Um, anything else that we missed? Anything else that we need to uh, talk about? No, I don't think so. I'd like to say thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it because it's one of those things where I get I always like the opportunity where I can talk about uh, politics and, and kind of bounce things off of you. So you're a good guy to do that with. So. Well, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Well, Noah, I guess we'll do this again tomorrow. And, 8 p.m. I'll be here. And we'll do it again after that next week. Yes, sir. All right. I'm Brad Schmidt. This has been The Schmidt Show. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for indulging my rambling. We will be back again next week. Um, find us at theschmidtshow.com, podcast.theschmidtshow.com. You can find us on Patreon. We've, we're growing a little bit. We've gotten some more new Patreon uh, subscribers. Um, we want to do this more, um, but as I said, it does take a little bit of uh, effort and a little bit of uh, money. So uh, we got to pay a few bills, not a lot, but Noah's purchased a lot of equipment to make this a reality for me. So thank you again, Noah. We'll see you next week.